Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. Make your next vacation an experience for the senses. Anda's hotels and resorts draw upon the sights, scents, textures, tastes, and sounds of the surrounding culture to offer distinctive, luxurious stays worldwide. Learn more at Andas.com. Romanov. Romanov. I'm Olga Romanov. Michael Romanov. He said he was a Romanov. You know she's a Romanov. Checking in for a Romanov. I'm Romanov. So tired of this Romanov shit. Nicholas Romanov. I could be a Romanov. He's Romanov too. Hello and welcome to Still Watching the Romanovs. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson. And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson. Today we will be discussing the penultimate episode of Season 1 of The Romanoffs. This is Episode 7, titled End of the Line, and we'll also be speaking with Episode star Annette Mahendru, who many of you may recognize from her work on The Americans. Um, this is an episode that is directed, as ever, by Matthew Weiner, but the people with sole writing credits on the episode are André Jacques Maton and Maria Jacques Maton, uh, a duo who have worked with Weiner since 2007, when they were, you know, worked with him on Mad Men, uh, this is based on their true life experience trying to go to Russia to adopt a child. And I think you can really see the way in which this episode stands out from the rest of the season. Um, Richard, just generally, I mean, I already know, spoiler alert, because you texted me or messaged me, but like, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> I thought this episode was great. I thought it prodded at a lot of interesting um, contemporary things that for whatever reason have swirled around my life personally, um, mm. then sort of buttressed by this really incredible central performance from Catherine uh, Hahn, who is doing a similar storyline in a way to what she's doing wonderfully in the Netflix movie, Tamara Jenkins film, um, private life. So it's interesting to see her visiting the same topic, which is a couple struggling with infertility and adoption. Um, but done in a much different tone and, um, you know, worldview. Yeah. So we should say that, uh, Catherine Hahn and Jay Ferguson, who a lot of people know, um, as a member of the Pussy Posse, right? No, uh, he is, but also, uh, <laughs> one of, the, one of my favorite performers on Mad Men. Uh, he played Stan Rizzo, uh, star as husband and wife Anka and Joe Garner, who have come because to Russia to adopt a child because they cannot have one of their owns. Um, Annette Mahendry plays someone named Elena Ivanovich, who is sort of their like fixer. I don't know how exactly you would describe her. Um, and then Clay, the great Clay Duval, uh, as another mother sort of in, in the same hotel, um, named Patricia. And, you know, this is, this is a story about sort of, um, expectations raised, expectations dashed, uh, definitely like, I hate to use a phrase so cutesy as fish out of water, but I think this episode really, 
even much more successfully, I would say, than last week's episode, which is a trip to Mexico. This trip to Russia um, is really, I felt like sort of anxiously swimming through um, a different culture the whole time. But I mean, as you mentioned last week, we were discussing uh, Panorama, episode six. Um, that is an episode told from the point of view of someone who lives inside this place. This is an episode told from the point of view of two white Americans who have come to Russia and are trying to navigate many layers of bureaucracy uh, in order to get to complete this adoption process. Uh, something goes wrong with the child, you know, the child that they um, have expected to adopt Oksana uh, is ill. And then like that prompts a discussion between Joe and Anka um, about, you know, almost a like, do I really know you come to Jesus uh, relationship conversation? Mm-hmm. Did you feel comfortable like leading with some of these um, contemporary to your life issues that you feel like the episode was, was prodding? Um, as you um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like um, it, it kind of, it's kind of twofold. One is that I've no, I, I have family members uh, who have adopted from, well, a former, um, you know, Soviet Republic, not Russia itself. Um, and, and kind of the charge dynamics around that. I have a, a, another good, good old friend whose, um, whose parents did a similar thing, but in a, in a kind of weird way where they had the kid live with them for a while. Then she went back to her country and then the years later they felt bad and went back and got her and adopted her. Um, and so there's a kind of fraught thing with adoption from that part of the world. Um, but also, you know, as a gay guy who has friends who are gay in gay couples who are considering having children, I think all of these ethical questions about adoption and about where these babies are coming from, why people are choosing babies from those particular places, um, when, as J.R. Ferguson's character points out, there are many babies in this, in, in the United States who need homes, but it's a matter of oftentimes race, which I thought was, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting that was brought up in this episode. Um, so it's just a lot of stuff that I feel like I have conversations about in private life. Um, that, you know, it was just interesting to see. I'm not in the process of adoption or anything like that, but, uh, it was interesting to see, uh, that sort of staged out in this, the world, uh, the, the kind of loosely, you know, t- tied together world of this show. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting. I think to watch a story where, um, people start out on the same page, uh, and wind up on completely different pages, you know, cause this episode for so much of the beginning of this episode, we see this couple, Joe and Anka, like as they navigate these very, un- this very unfamiliar territory, they are a united front. They are sort of like sharing glances and eye rolls and like, you know, whatever at the various things that they see, which may or may not be like really derogatory towards the current state of Russia. Uh, though I did talk, uh, speak with Annette a little bit about this. She is, um, was not born and raised in Russia, but like her, her sense is this is like very accurate of what's going on in Russia. She is of Russian extraction. Um, but, you know, whether or not this is wholly accurate, what we see are these, you know, this couple, husband and wife, they're united, they're excited, they're together. And then this thing comes that sort of drives this wedge between, you know, or or illuminates a different worldview, like that they didn't know they were on other sides of. And I found the last shot of this episode, not to skip ahead, like, very uh well done and unsettling because it's you know we're back in the plane we're going home they've got their replacement baby um after the first baby is revealed as ill um 
you know, Anka is insistent that they don't keep the ill baby. Uh, Joe is like, we made a commitment. We're keeping this baby. I don't even feel like I know you if you think you're going to. And then they get like a replacement healthier baby. And there's this big courtroom scene and then they're on the plane. They're going home. And I, I love Jay Ferguson in Matthew Weiner stuff. Like Stan Rizzo is one of my favorite characters on Mad Men, like big time. And that's, I don't, I don't like anyway, point being the last shot, which is very like the end of the graduate where you've got like two people happy. And then like the camera is just on Joe's face. She's in the background and his face like falls and you're just sort of like get this unsettling, like, uh Oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, is this a happily ever after? I just find that so interesting. Cause like when you enter into a marriage, <laughs> she says not having been married, um, you know, you'd like to think that you're on the same page. And as you grow and as you change and as you discover things about each other, like uh, something like this, you can't plan for and you can't see coming necessarily. And you can try to make sure that you're going to approach everything the same way. But how can you foresee, you know, a child potentially like, I think we're supposed to take it as fetal alcohol syndrome, um, who, you know, at the very least, like, you know, is hearing impaired. How, how are you supposed to plan for this? And I just found the journey. This is only an hour and a half, but the journey with those characters, because these performers are so good, Catherine Hahn, especially, I just found that like a really effective journey for the episode to take us on. Yeah. And I think also, you know, uh, they're careful to keep it that we don't know for sure that anything is wrong with that first baby. Yeah. You know, we're going off a little girl pointing and saying a word, but you know, what does that really mean? Um, you know, I was thinking maybe they rubbed vodka on its gums to keep it quiet or something. Like maybe that's what she was referring to. Like it, it's not definitive that, that the first baby, the first Oksana is actually, um, you know, uh, has anything wrong with her health wise. Um, it's just all of that presumption. And I think that, you know, the, the cutesy title of this episode, which is referring, of course, to the town in Russia where they are, which is Vladivostok, which is the end of the Trans-Siberia Railroad, um, uh, on the eastern end of the railroad, um, but also is referring to, you know, adopting a child is, in some senses, ending a family line. Um, and then we're talking about the Romanovs and all that. So I think that, uh, but I think that what that gets at in a really interesting way is when, um, Joe asks Anka, like, okay, but so what would it, what would you have done if that, that one pregnancy had held and they did an amnio and yeah. it was Down syndrome? And she says, I wouldn't have done it. And she can say that now because it's passed and it, she did never had to make that decision. And so I think it's really teasing at an interesting question of what is the actual concrete value of the bloodline versus you know, mm -hmm. nature versus nurture. And like, because something could be wrong with a kid you have naturally, you know, um, and something could be wrong with a kid you adopt. And, you know, there's really no way to sort of assess that in any actual quantitative way. So then it all just becomes about pride. And I think a certain ego, uh, about, you know, the sort of nobility of your own stock. Uh, and it's a question that I have with a lot of gay friends who, are, you know, wealthy enough that they're adopting or whatever, or, or no, excuse me, wealthy enough that they're doing, um, surrogacy or whatever. And I'm saying, well, but there, you could adopt too. Like, why is it so important that your line continue? Yeah, that ego, I, I think that's fascinating. And, and I think that ego or, you know, to, to, 
I think ego on the, on the least charitable end of the spectrum, and then just sort of like wanting to see yourself reflected in, um, you know, the child you're you're rearing on the more positive side of the spectrum. I think both, you know, the truth is fluid along that whole spectrum. But the um, this idea of, I mean, I guess I won't out who it is because I don't know if they want like the general public to know. Not that everyone is following all the people in my life that closely, but you know, there is someone who's very close to me who has who has children who has said very like emphatically without uh, uh, like even questioning it uh you know it through all the tests that this person had when like you know they were expecting a child uh you know if there is something you know uh, i don't know i struggle with with the word i don't see you like wrong or defective there's something like you know that shows up on the tests that will make our lives raising this child very challenging and make that life, that child's life very challenging. This person said, I have no doubt about it. This is not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's just, you know, this, th- this episode, even though it's about adoption becomes also, yes, about abortion and about like, um, those choices that like, uh, I believe that person who told me that. And I was kind of like, I, I was, Surprise, not, not in a judgmental way, but just sort of like in how sure. And I believe that they were sure. I believe that no matter what the, like, if those tests had shown that, I believe that that person was sure. They were just sure and matter of fact about it. And it is, this is not a person who's like devoid of emotion or affection. This is a person who's a tremendous parent. But at the same point, like, this just became like a matter of science to them. And then it's an even, uh, like more challenging conversation to have when you're talking about like a child that they can see. And I think the two centerpiece scenes of this episode are one, that fight that we keep referencing and that, that debate, that argument that these two married couple, this married couple has. And the other is the scene where, which is shot from like the point of view of the baby, where it's the two of them sort of like leaning over the baby and discovering that something is or could be wrong. And uh I just think it's, it's like, beautifully shot um the you know the way in which Catherine Hahn and Jay Ferguson really run the gamut of their like excitement to their curiosity to their fear and disappointment and worry um you know all all just on their faces is was really an incredible piece of television yeah and i could i could see from certainly an angle of someone who was adopted or who has adopted um taking offense to this episode because i think that you know, when you see in that scene, the love so quickly live, leave their eyes, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes this fear and then a kind of disgust. Um, and then they, then later in the, the bruising hotel room scene where, you know, Joe keeps saying this, you're, you're not a customer. This isn't a sale. And she's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so you're kind of reducing and, and they keep saying, oh, we're not heroes for doing this, blah, blah, blah. And so it's having this interesting discussion of like, what are the sort of you know, altruistic components or mechanisms of adoption, like, like how much of it is transactional, how much of it is this kind of, you know, ordained, like, that's our baby, like, I knew it from the minute I saw the photo or whatever, you know, because people can kind of put the like that language on it. But when you get to this crux moment where I could back out of this, uh, how quickly it the baby became an object. You know, and, and I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not adopted. I, ha- I haven't adopted anyone myself. And I, so I don't know who out there listening to this might or watching the episode might feel that, that, uh, the episode takes a really, 
nasty kind of cynical take on it, but uh, it was interesting to watch anyway. And I think the kind of crux of the episode and I would argue in some senses, the whole, this whole show, this whole project is where he says, I didn't know you were that kind of person. And she said something or she said, or I didn't know you were like that. And she says, everyone is like this. And the idea that like, when you get down to it, that everyone is just sort of prideful and clinging to some idea of themselves and of their past and of their future that very little, you know, they can stand very little to get in the way of it, that, you know, that, that they are kind of trying to fulfill that sense of belonging and place in the world and the sense of, of a narrative grander than a simple life. Um, I think that that, and, and what, what child rearing has to do with all that with legacy, uh, I think is really interesting. And it was nice to see in this penultimate episode, uh, that sort of more, I think that grander summation being made. Yeah. And you know, we, we, uh, I think you're right that um people who are adopted could take offense, people who um you know have debated adoption could take offense, people who um like there's there's a number of ways one could take offense. What I do think this episode does ra- rather beautifully is offer points of view that seem kind of binary there's there's a lot of point of views because it's not just like Anka's worldview versus Joe's worldview because I really do feel like you get um the uh, Clay Duvall's character Patricia you get her worldview and you get um Annette as Elena um you get that worldview it's, it's all very like there's pragmatism and there's emotionality and there's um a whole bunch of little dots on the spectrum in between but something that I that I want to say that this episode does really well um is, you know, is one thing to talk about, like, um, terminating a pregnancy, um, and then you don't have to, like, necessarily have to, whatever, contemplate, um, you know, w- what that child's other future is, because that child is not being brought into the world. Whereas in this episode, this, this episode does so much to underline the future for this baby Oksana who they're leaving behind. There's the constant discussion about like what options there are for young Russians these days, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what they're, and there's all this like really gross. I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to the Anka character because it's played by Catherine Hahn, who's so good at letting you in, uh, inside her emotions. Um, but at the same time, she says a lot of stuff uh, so dismissive about, uh, where they are in Russia. And like, yeah, it looks, it looks freezing cold. It looks like intimidating because of all the bureaucracy and the armed guards. Um, there's poverty. There's just all kinds of stuff that, that, um, you know, makes it an unfriendly place for these Americans. But at the same time, like, both of these American women who are thinking of adopting children have this conversation about like, aren't we sort of amazing that we're saving them from this? And mm-hmm. it's like a really disgusting conversation in many ways. Uh, yeah. even, even though it's attended by their own American white guilt about saying it, they still say it, you know what I mean? And they still believe it. And so when they leave this other child, when Joe and Anka leave this other child behind, um, they're leaving this child in, in conditions that they deem unworthy to even talk about, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it adds a layer. Yeah. And then you have this, this, this person who, you know, I guess somewhat sheepishly, at least in the room, but probably proudly enough that she's, you know, cause her husband knows all about it, who is like, 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 yeah, I'm a Romanoff, 
But this is the first time anyone in this series who is a Romanov is like confronting contemporary Russia and confronting Russia, exactly. you know, yeah. and, and, and finding it not to be the glittering palaces of St. Petersburg, but actually a cold, you know, hard scrabble city surrounded by poor villages. Like, you know, and I'm not saying that that's all of Russian life by any means, but it's a facet of it. Like it's a facet of American life, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just like an interesting, and I, and I think that, you know, uh, Mahendra is so good in this episode and, uh, I love the line that gets cut off where she says, yeah, young men in Russia, they have the military or, and then she's like, oh, we're here. And like, doesn't say what the or I is. Know, yeah. And you just, so you're just like, oh, but what is it? The mafia? Like, what, what is she talking about? Yeah. You know? Um, and then there's, of course, the stilted conversation that Anka has with the sex worker at the hotel and like the sort of patronizing way she talks to her. She's like, do you want to buy a nice house? And the girl says here, <laughs> like in, in sort of disbelief. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's interesting to watch the show kind of finally arrive in Russia. Uh, and, and, and sort of think about, uh, all that. And I think that, 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 that tension uh, of them arriving there and being like, oh my God, where are we? Is so well done in the first, you know, portion of this episode where it's almost playing like a thriller. You know, they're going through customs and, and on the, you know, we, we know that they have money in, in their bag and we don't really know what it's for yet. Or maybe we've just kind of figured it out. But, but then, you know, even everything, past that where you know making sure that the right people the right palms are greased the, this is this is happening the right way like it's really nerve-wracking and then you have elena kind of being you know sort of stern and business-like but then leavening it and being like no it's no, no big deal everything's fine everything's fine and so that conflict of us of people in a strange culture that they are there to take something from and in fact she anka at least has been taking something from as long as she's been, you know, aware and vocal about her supposed lineage, um, I think is really interesting. And it, it, it's, I'm, I'm curious what the final episode will be because this in some ways felt like, well, the end of the line. I think this episode has so much going on and I'm all the more impressed by it, given the fact that it was written by a husband and wife team who seem to have gone through, uh, you know, who knows exactly how autobiographical this episode is, but it's certainly based on their experience. And I think it's, um, you know, if it is very autobiographical, it's brave for this woman, Maria, uh, to like paint herself in this light because there's so much judgment around women and motherhood and your approach toward, you know, the, the nurturing way you're supposed to be, uh, the way this episode is gender flipped in its, um, you know, and it's sort of standard reactions, emotional reaction versus rational reaction or whatever. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I am impressed with Catherine Hahn for playing this role. I mean, this sounds so silly. Like, oh, how brave. But really, honestly, I think like one of the, one of the remaining taboos, uh, in, in American culture, at least is like a woman who is not all in on, maternal emotionality you know what i mean like it's just it's it's a it's a thing that has so much judgment attended to it and and to see this episode treat with it i think is is really fascinating and, and then in theory if, if this couple um you know who who had this this real life couple who had this experience um if they're you know, showing some of the skeletons in the closet of their own relationship and they're still together. So, you know, this is something that they've worked through, but I, you know, I find all of that very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, not to keep going back to that same scene, but like, it's just, it's, it goes on and on and on. And they keep saying, you know, really intense kind of taboo things. Um, but in a way that feels, you know, because knowing, the pedigree who, who wrote it and, and who lived it, like it feels very honest, unflinchingly. So, and, um, 
you know, I don't think that anyone comes out right or wrong necessarily. Um, but I, I appreciated that sort of unadorned honesty when so much of this series has been people, you know, trying and failing to behave politely in, in certain, you know, social situa- situations or, or, or professional situations or whatever. And here, you know, it's just, uh, two people, uh, in a hotel room in a, in a faraway country, uh, just like tearing their relationship down to the studs or, or at least the kind of core want of their relationship that has devoured everything else. And I think that that is something that's really reflect that it reflects really well the, the, the other movie that, that, uh, Catherine Hahn is in private life where, where it talks about that too. It's like this consuming desire to, uh, continue the line or whatever. Uh, it can make your present sort of like, what, 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 what are we doing? You know, what are the two of us doing sans this third entity that we don't know? It makes me wish that I could talk a little bit more about this with someone who, you know, has, has agonized over this, but it, it truly is just something that, uh, can eat at the most solid of, of foundations. And I like what you have to say about the fact that this is the first episode that really grapples with the Russia of the Romanov legacy because we have such like, we have such an embattled, we as Americans have such an embattled relationship with Russia right now, um, at least on a, you know, political front. And so, you know, it's funny because Richard, you and I grew up in this era. We came through the like era where the Russians were the baddies and everything because of the Cold War. And then it was sort of like, in theory, we came back from that and went, no, this is the modern Russia. And, you know, it, it was ridiculous for, for the Russians to be the villains in a story like they're humans and, and, you know, let's just, let's just move on from that. And then like, you know, just so recently we've swung hard back to, um, no, like the Russians are our enemies again. Everything old is new again. And so like, um, I, I don't think this episode attempts to paint Russia as a villainous place by any stretch of the imagination, but just as a place of hard truths and a place of hard truths that this series had yet had not really dealt with. Yeah. And, you know, Russia for a long time, you know, pre Bolsheviks, you know, and, and post, uh, is, has been a country that has struggled and, and not even just a country, but an idea of a territory, you know, with the USSR and everything, that has struggled with a sense of place and belonging. Like, is it European? Well, you know, in the czarist era, they really were certainly trying to be. And, you know, as, as Joe points out in the episode, the Romanovs weren't even Russian. They were German. And, and I, I think that, you know, contemporary Russia certainly is, you know, straining to figure out their place in the world, you know, violently at times, uh, from the government. But, you know, I think in a national identity in, 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 in different and more complicated ways. Uh, and so, you know, if that's the kind of vaguer thematic thing of this show, uh, I think this is definitely the episode that distills that, I think, the most smartly and affectingly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this seems like the perfect opportunity to go to our conversation with Annette Mahendra. Aranda's hotels and resorts, travel means taking in your destinations every sight, smell, taste, touch, and sound from London to Maui, Napa Valley, Tokyo, and New York City. Andes Hotels and Resorts draw on the unique, authentic senses of locales around the globe to dissolve the barrier between your destination and your luxury hotel experience. Visit Andes.com to learn more. I'm Claire Fallon. 
And I'm Emma Gray. We're culture writers, podcasters, and hosts of the show Love to See It. Every week, we give an unapologetically feminist dissection of reality dating shows, rom-coms, and other romance narratives. We unpack all the weird messages they send us about love, sex, and dating. And we dive into all the details with special guests like actors, authors, and cultural critics. You can find Love to See It wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Isn't that- so much for joining us. I am particularly excited to talk to you since you are the only performer of Russian Extraction that I am talking to about the Romanovs. So I am especially interested to know how much you knew about the Romanovs before starting on this particular show. Well, the first thing my mom threw at me is that, oh, actually, I knew that a while ago. And I kind of didn't, you know, thought it was a little silly. Um, on my mom's dad's side, uh, his um, brothers and sisters are a bunch of scholars and apparently there's some sort of relics that they held on to or have, and, you know, they trace back and somehow think that, that they're actually related. She said that to me again and I was like, oh, okay. And I've, I've maybe said that to one other person because, you know, but Hey, why not? Because we're all pretending to be Romanos on the show anyway. So you're telling me that you're you're a Romanov. No, I'm not <laughs> saying anything. I'm saying that uh, my grandpa's siblings are saying that. What do you think? <laughs> in Russia. In Russia. I've never, I've never met them. Oh, I haven't seen them in a very long time. And I don't remember meeting them. But, you know, maybe they're walking around in like uh, Cape Bizarre <laughs> stuff. <laughs> What what, you know? what do you think it is about claiming to be a Romanov? Like, what is what is the obsession behind the Romanovs? What does it mean to claim to be a Romanov? Like, what is that all about? Well, it's you know, it's uh, ordinary folks wanting to be extraordinary, you know. And uh, um, you know, in my in my episode too, Anka and Joe Garner, they go uh, played by Catherine and Jay. They go to Russia to trace back her lineage, lineage, mm-hmm. and and she believes that, and and she wants a baby with Russian uh, from the Russian gene pool, so it could be more like her. So, um, you know, we all are trying to connect in any way we can to something greater within us. I I don't know. I don't know if this is exactly true, but I think it's true that your episode is the is the only one that's based on very much on a real story of um, Marie and Andre Jacques Maton like told this story of them trying to go to Russia to adopt a baby. Uh, you know, were you aware of that when you're making it? Did you get to talk to them about their experience? Like, how is that involved in this episode? I'm so happy we get to talk about it. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so it's a very special story, and Matt worked with them for a very long time, and he wrote that because uh, of them, and 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 they were there. They came to location, and uh, we had a a little cast dinner before we started shooting, and um, I got to talk to them, and it, it was very emotional to them. They, you know, they wrote it, and they they have a daughter who's grown now they went to Russia and adopted her and, and that was them diving back into that insane experience and, and talking about it. So, so, and 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 now seeing it on screen and it's something very private that they shared, but 
working with Matt, it, it just, it feels very intimate and he makes you feel like family. And, and so it's, it's, uh, it's the, it's, it's the, uh, best way to share something like that is in his hands. So, uh, it's very safe and very beautifully done. And, and, and yeah, so I talked to them, I asked them, I said, well, what was this lady like that you dealt with? And you obviously wrote Elena like this for a reason. And was, she was, she's been through a lot, this woman, and, and she helps people in the way she can, she knows how to. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of transaction between people that's going on with any time, whether it's a child is involved and, and you want to make sure that child gets adopted and you don't know what the problems may be. It's these kids have been through something already and since their conception, they weren't, they weren't okay. So, uh, it's a bigger question of just something, something physical or something up with a kid. It's just, all the needs it has now going forwards in general. And, and, and it's all obviously doable and, and they did it. So we knew we can do it as artists. Did you feel like then the depiction of sort of Russian bureaucracy or the various bribing systems or whatever it is, all the hoops that uh, this couple jumped through in the episode, does that feel like an accurate depiction to you? Yeah. You go to, to a small town and things are done. Doesn't mean all of Russia looks like that and, and lives like that, but people do whatever they need in any part of the world to survive and you need to sell some clothes with tags on. <laughs> uh, you need to sell some clothes with tags on. Right. Like, the babies still have things to wear. It's not, you don't need that many clothes <laughs> if you think about it. Um, was Jay, who worked on Mad Men for so long with Matt Weiner, was he able to give you any tips on how to negotiate Matt's very particular process of making a TV series? We, we did it. We kind of started, we, we shot a scene and it was obviously a new experience for me. And he's a master and I had my nerves and I didn't know what to really, what it would be like. And um, it was Catherine's uh, first time too. And, and, you know, Jay came into my trailer afterwards and kind of told me, you know, I always, when I'm working with someone who's, um, who I admire, who, who I know has their ways, I always like to know what, what do they like? What do they don't like? I like to make those adjustments because, because they've been doing it for a very long time. So Jay kind of, you know, walked in and was like, Hey, you know, uh, gave me his two cents and I really appreciated that. And I, I think Matt's been compared to Stanley Kubrick and he's the source of all these things. So he's a lot and he's, um, he, he's, you know, he has that depth and that, that intense and intensity. And, and so, you, you know, you're up against that really deep well. And so I know I just had to bring my best and, and the story itself bears a lot of responsibility and so I was up for a lot and, uh, and I grew immensely because of that experience. And it, it was quite wonderful to collaborate with Matt and, and it, it gave me a whole new 
sense of um, self and, and confidence and, and uh, which any role hopefully does. And that's the reason why I, I like to tell stories is to transform and, and, uh, but in all of this and all, in all of this mastery, he's so Matt is so, he's so real and so present and, and, and time just flows differently with him. You know, he, he really, he's really there with you. And, and that's priceless because people like that, you think, oh, they they don't have time, you know, they, they don't have time for me out of everyone. And, and, uh, hats off to him because I felt like I felt, I felt I had all the permission in the world to play. And then I was, you've done such amazing work on, on long serialized shows like, like the Americans or like, I really loved your work on Tyron as well. When you are part, when you're in something like this, which is its own weird little animal where you're like, you're part of a larger story of the Romanoffs, but this is a self-contained, um, little story within it. You know, what is that like? Do you think about how this connects to the larger picture of the whole series or do you just focus on your own little story that you're telling? Oh, well, he did say, I was obviously very curious about how it fit into the big picture. And he said, you know, it's about, it's about love. <laughs> and that was beautiful and, and put things at ease and, ultimately about be, being authentic, getting to know each other, um, taking the leap and, and getting what we really want, what we've been dreaming of. And this couple goes to, to Russia for crying out loud and to, to have a family and leave their home to make a home somewhere else and then bring it back and, and make it all work. And, and that's crazy, beautiful. And, and I was, and I got to play the person who was, uh, who's, uh, alleviating them in that process. So, and so we, people from different countries connected and, and, and overcame things together. That's what it all is about at the end. You mentioned that this character is based on a, on a real life person who affected, um, someone's lives so immensely, but, but did you, were you able to base, this performance, which is such a fun sort of like out there performance for you, were you able to base that on on anyone you know, uh, any Russians you know, any Americans you know? Oh, talk to I know how much the story meant to Maria and Andre, and how much this woman, how strange the circumstances were, but how how she really helped them, and how they are a hundred percent grateful for her for expanding, helping them expand their family helping them create something you know so intimate and 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 so i i you know the, their appreciation for her and and what she does really helped me create her and and you know and, and understand her and and so it came from a really good place and and she and in all her kind of do we, you know, do we trust her? Do we not? Is she good? Is she bad? Like there's, she's doing something quite wonderful. And I, I stayed with that. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate the time and, and thanks for your performance in this episode. It's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. 
Um, so this is the last episode that I had seen in advance. And I was really excited for us to get to this episode because I knew how much you loved, um, you know, I knew that you loved this other Catherine Hahn film that dealt with a very similar issue. Like I knew all of this about you, Richard. And so I was like, well, I really want Richard to see this. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this was like the target that I was aiming for was to get you to this episode. Um, not that you needed help getting there, but, um, now we're in uncharted territory and I don't know what's coming for the finale. So I guess before, you know, we have our like final reckoning with season one of the Romanoffs with, with next week's episode, which is as much a mystery to me as it is to the rest of you guys, except for the fact that I know it, co-stars Ben Miles, who's an actor I quite like. Uh, I've seen him on the British stage. You might also know him from Coupling or Crown Season 1. Uh, and Hugh Skinner, who is another actor I really like, uh, who was in Fleabag and uh, Mamma Mia 2 <laughs> and like a bunch of other stuff. Um, that's that's kind of all I know in a log line about a man trying to escape a family curse, which sounds very Romanoffy to me. But like, what are you hoping this final installment um does or does it have a responsibility to do something to put like a period or an ellipsis on the end of this or to act as a referendum on this this season of television i mean i would be i would be satisfied it with the whole experience if it does sort of make some grand summation and tie them together and we've obviously had the loose ties like you know there's a quick reveal in in this episode that anka's character her cousin is rada mitchell's character from the last episode right uh um you know, maybe some of those ties short up, but not necessarily. Um, but it's funny, you know, I think about the finale, the, the series finale of Girls and the penultimate episode of Girls. And I think the penultimate episode was so gorgeous and really, uh, you know, considered and concluded in some ways a lot of that show's themes. And then the, the last episode was kind of was this extraneous thing that I didn't um, uh it didn't work for me. And so I'm wondering if this is going to be a similar thing, but I'm, 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 I'm holding out hope that there will, there will, uh, a, a sense of, uh, a closed theme will, will present itself by the end of the, the, the last episode. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like we've been really up and down on this season and, um, maybe more interested in Matthew Weiner directing things that he's co-written, uh, rather than things he's written on his own. And I, th- I honestly think that that's just so true of like so many creators is like, uh, the more voices, uh, the better. Or, or, you know, if you're not just like in an echo chamber. Um, and, and so I, I really responded to this episode as it was written by this other couple. And, and, you know, m- you know, my favorite episode was also written by someone else. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what all Matthew Winter has to say to wrap it all up. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll withhold sort of judgment on the season as a whole, but I do feel like that final installment has, uh, I think this, I actually think this episode would have been a really good thing to end on, as you say, the penultimate episode. And so now I'm like, okay, well, it was so good that you're holding it for the end. And can it possibly top, you know, Catherine Hahn in knitwear in Russia? I don't know. Um, but right, because there has to have been a reason why the episodes were scheduled this way. Yeah. Presented the way they were presented and what was held back and what wasn't and all of that. So, um, you know, uh, finales are often held back, so I'm not reading anything major into that necessarily. But um, why, you know, yeah, the question we're going to want to ask, which we haven't necessarily been asking throughout, I guess I would ask why that first episode was the first episode. Um, and I would ask why this last episode is the last episode, since we're not telling a linear story. What, why does it matter to put the pieces together the way that they've been put together? So, mm-hmm. yep. 
All right. Well, until next week, where can people find you? Not in Vladivostok, I'll tell you that. Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at Rylaws and on VF.com. Where will you be until the end? Uh, you will find me patrolling my local grocery store with a large gun and army fatigue, threatening <laughs> to shoot anyone who smiles. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you can find me on VF.com. You can find both of us on the podcast Little Gold Men. And happy holidays to one and all, I suppose. Andes Hotels and Resorts blur the line between luxury hotel and locale, immersing you in your destination in every sense, from the dynamic energy of Wall Street to the pristine natural beauty of Costa Rica. Discover more at Andaz.com.